Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yes, our fourth and final season preview podcast coming up here, Supercoach 365. We do it all again, and we welcome back Tommy Hudson uh, this episode. Tommy, how are you, bud? Good, mate. Happy to be here. Looking forward to getting into the, the big four teams ahead of uh, season 2021. Another big week uh, in the news cycle, and plenty to uh, go through here before we do jump into the teams, though. Um, some good news out Penrith Way. Nathan Cleary named co-captain of the side alongside Isaiah Yo. Uh, put up a poll on our Instagram stories earlier this week asking, will it impact his super coach performance? What do you reckon? I wouldn't imagine so. Uh, he was obviously one of the stars last year. He's already a senior player of that team despite being one of the younger members. And as the coach's son, I think he's probably got a lot of leadership naturally in him. So I think it'll be it'll work fine for him for sure. It's a good good sign for the Panthers going forward, I think. A good sign for Nathan as well, uh, still such a young age, so... Obviously, his dad's seen something in him which suggests that he's ready to step up to that next level to lead the side around the field. But, he, I mean, he's already doing that as a number seven anyway. Uh, another player here out there at um, Penrith in, in the news this week was Matt Burton. Uh, his proposed swap deal to the Bulldogs, it isn't happening. Yeah, well, there's always talk that Trent Barrett was going to try and, I guess, poach some of the Panthers players. And it seems to have happened. I don't know the ins and outs of the story, but... It's an interesting one here. Do you honour a contract or do you let someone go to where they want to go? What do you think? Well, he's already going there next year anyway, so I can kind of see it from both sides, though. I mean, but what if Luai goes down early? I mean, Burton's a you know proven player from what he showed in limited time in the Panthers' first-grade team. But I think the Panthers have to think about themselves first, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't blame the Panthers in this, in this, uh, in this situation. Obviously, Matt Burton wants to play first-team footy on a weekly basis, but his time will come. Someone who gets that chance, having moved a year early from the Panthers to the West Tigers, is Dane Laurie, and uh, spoke about it in our West Tigers preview pod uh, episode two or three. Um, can't remember now, but we 
predicted that to happen. It has come to fruition, and Dane Laurie looks like he'll get a starting role in that West Tigers team uh, to start the 2021 season. Yeah, we did speak a lot about the Tigers and the, I guess our lack of faith in them this year. Maybe Dane Laurie is the sort of spark they would need. It's interesting to see also Paul Momorowski involved in another swap deal. Yeah, he's had a couple, hasn't he? I think I was trying to count how many clubs he's been to. Uh, did he debut at Souths? If he did, well, that makes it five, and he's only 24 years of age. So he's a journeyman at age 24, not something you see all that often in the NRL. Can you see him really getting, I suppose, a start in the Penrith squad, in the in the Penrith 17 on a weekly basis? It's hard to imagine him breaking into it. Yeah, well, they lose. I mean, uh, there's the question marks over Naden. What will happen to him? I don't know if he got a suspension. I can't remember. I think he got a slap on the wrist in a in a small fine for his uh, off-field indiscretions to end last year. So uh, he's there about Momorowski. He's a solid depth player at least. So uh, Penrith looking to bolster that squad as they look to go one better in 2021. And of course, uh, the footy gets underway this Friday night, the first trial that we'll see in 2021. The Sharks up against uh, the Dragons. It is a very different looking Sharks squad and the Dragons is pretty light on as well. But you kind of expect that in these uh, pre-season matches. Yeah, it's very exciting. Finally, some footy underway. Obviously, more trials later in the month than the All-Stars game next weekend, but it's good to have some footy finally this week. Obviously, both teams will be still in the early stages of their preparation for the season, but it'll be good just to see some footy. And it's funny, uh, we mentioned, we spoke um, in our last podcast about Cameron McInnes and his move from the Dragons to the Sharks. News around this week as well that uh, well, 2020 assistant coach at the Dragons, Shane Flanagan, former Sharks head coach Shane Flanagan. He might be on his way back to Cronulla. What do you make of that? Have the Sharks moved past Flanagan? Because it doesn't look like it on the surface, at least. No, well, the rumours haven't haven't gone away since John Morris took over uh, the top job. Shane Flanagan's kind of just been lurking in the background. Um, look, if you look on any sort of social post about this issue, every single fan doesn't want him to come back until his suspension is served fully. But obviously the NRL will do what they want to do in this regard. But do you think it's fair if he comes back early? No, but, you know, having seen how Shane works, he doesn't always follow the rules. So um, I say that, you know, with a, with a grain of salt. But um, I just, you know, he's he's just a competitor, Shane. And he's a bit like he's a bit like Paul Gallen in that mindset where they just want everything to, to go their way to win. Um, and I guess, you know, I can kind of see why fans don't want that attitude or that sort of personality lingering around the club anymore because John Morris has done such a good job in bringing this next line of talent through. Uh, you know, he oversaw these guys as they were coming through the junior reps and the under-20s systems. So, I don't know, as someone who you know, has a soft spot for the Sharks, I don't particularly like it. I think they need to go past. 2016's happened. Congratulations to Shane Flanagan and the Sharks. But I just think that... I just, I just don't understand. Like, John Morris has done such a good job with such a bare-bones squad with injuries and salary cap restrictions in the past couple of seasons. Uh, you know, I just think they just need to put a little bit of faith in John Morris and that's the way forward. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, Shane Flanagan's credentials, you can't question them. He's a great coach. And if he comes back, I'm sure he'll do a great job with the Sharks or whoever he wanted to coach. But I just think rules are rules. He was served his suspension. He should sit it out. Another thing which caught people a little bit off guard on social media or around the traps this week was news of the Roosters' appeal to the NRL, uh, you know, looking for a little bit of compensation in terms of some some offsetting of the salary cap. 
uh, with Boyd Cordner likely to miss 10 to 12 weeks to start the new year. What do you make of that? It's, it's obviously very sad news for Boyd and we wish him well with his health concerns, but is this kind of going above and beyond the rules? Yeah, firstly, just disappointing for Boyd. Obviously, he had a crazy 2020 with so many head knocks and you'd have to think it's cutting his career pretty short, all these head knocks. He won't be able to play into the mid to late 30s as other players can, but uh, in terms of the rules and the roosters, who really? I don't really know enough about the issue to comment too much. It is interesting that it is the Roosters, I guess, once again trying to, I suppose, bend things in their favour. A lot of people will jump to that conclusion. Can you shed any more light on the issue for me? Yeah, I reckon, well, I don't know so much about what's going on in the back offices, but I know it will have plenty of people interested in terms of a super coach perspective as well because names suddenly like Satili Tupanua come into the calculations, more minutes for Angus Crichton, maybe a different role for Angus Crichton, a leadership role. So, um, And we'll get into that in our Roosters preview in just a matter of minutes. So, you know, obviously very disappointing for Boyd, but in terms of, you know, what's going on off the field, I'm not too sure. Uh, will it happen? Maybe. I think, um, you know, they've obviously got very, uh, you know, prominent people in high places, the Roosters. So um, good luck to them. And, of course, it's not something that's overly new. We've seen these uh, injuries in rep fixtures before be compensated. Kieran Foran springs to mind, Josh Hodgson and others. So maybe it is just the fact that it is the Rooster that's, that it has people talking. Yeah, definitely. I think the whole uh, salary cap sombrero banter, that sort of comes out here. Anything that the Roosters try to do, which can sort of be seen as bending the rules, people just run with it and... I suppose they get painted as the villains so often, don't they? They do, but they're a winning team and they're very good. And team, you know, generally speaking, teams that are winners, such as the Roosters, such as the Melbourne Storm, it's just so easy as opposition supporters to sit back and critique them. And you know, most of the time, it's out of jealousy. Like, let's be honest. So, um, credit to the Roosters. They've Tall been poppy a, syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. They've just been a successful club for a number of years and. Uh, let's just get into our team preview now because we will start with the Roosters and uh, they welcome back some key figures this year or likely to anyway in the t- form of Sam Verrills and Victor Radley who are missing for large parts of the 2020 season. Uh, how do you see them going? Do these guys just slot straight back into the Roosters system? Obviously Kyle Flanagan goes missing to the Bulldogs and generally speaking they look like they'll be there or thereabouts again. Yeah, of course. It's hard to see them not playing September footy again this season. Uh being a Raiders fan, I've obviously had a lot of battles with the Roosters over the past few years, but I can't help but just admire, I suppose, the culture they've built at that club. But I am starting to wonder after the uh, the flat end to 2020, getting smashed by South in the last round and then get being bonded out in straight sets, is it is the era of dominance perhaps ending for the Roosters? Yeah, you'd be a brave man to question that. I think as long as they've got the likes of Luke Curie and James Tedesco in that back line and forward leaders like Siwa Takiahau, Angus Crichton, as we've already mentioned, JWH as well. They just look a, a team with enough quality to still hang around and pose a threat, whether or not they can win the competition. It's probably a big question or a task, maybe a little bit too hard or out of reach with Lachlan Lamb, of course, coming into this team, or Lachlan Lamb, we think, coming into this team anyway at number seven to replace Kyle Flanagan, to replace Cooper Cronk. So, it just uh, rolls on for the Roosters, a new year and a new number seven. Yeah, that's a big question mark for me. Obviously, Kyle Flanagan and Trent Robinson, there must have been some sort of disagreement there or Trent Robinson just didn't believe in Kyle Flanagan as the future of the club. It was interesting to see him leave. You've got Sam Walker banging the door down. He's only 18, but he could be the way to go. It'll be interesting to see his progression this year if he gets a crack. But I, I don't know. I, I hope the Roosters do well. I'm sure they will. 
But I just think there is some question marks in in those halves pairing, especially with Kiri as well. If he gets another head knock, he may miss a few weeks. So you've got a few questions there. And Josh and Brett Morris are amazing in 2020, but they're also pushing 35. So there is some question marks, I think. Yeah, and another player who's uh, departed the club, retired, Mitchell Orbison, his experience will be missed. So they lose plenty of experience in the form of Orbison, and we've already mentioned Cordner. Um, Ryan Hall also moves on from the club. Pawasa Farmasili to the Dragons and Kyle Flanagan to the Bulldogs, as we've already mentioned. Adam Kieran uh, joins from the Warriors and arguably the biggest talking point or the biggest signature in the, of the offseason, maybe besides Cameron Smith, TBC, was Joseph Suwali making the crosstown move from Redfern to Moore Park. What do you make of that? Does he even get a run in 2021? Well, that will depend on the uh, rule makers, won't it, Ryan? Is there any update on if he is actually eligible to play? Well, as of uh, late January, the Roosters had applied uh, to the, I think it was the NRL or the ARLC commission to have uh, Suwali granted an exemption. So again, this got the social media tongues or fingers wagging in terms of uh, the Roosters again trying to maybe um, play the rules by their own way. Um, But nothing's come of that yet. He doesn't turn 18 until uh, I think it's August. So we saw this uh, last year with Bradman Best who turned 18 middle of 2020 um, or was it the middle of 2019 at least I know Bradman had to wait to make his debut after the Knights actually wanted to give him a game so uh, interesting to see what happens there with Suwali he has been a popular pick with super coach players he's just filling that sort of non-playing reserve type role so too Sam Walker who's actually the second most uh, popular halfback behind Nathan Cleary James Tedesco remains the Roosters' main man from an attacking point of view and especially from a super coach point of view. He averaged upwards of 95 points per game last year. Tommy, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Six uh, scores of 100 or more, those sort of numbers are just, they're not, they're just unbelievable. I can't speak highly enough about him, but you're going to pay top dollar if you want him in your team. Um, There is a few alternatives at fullback, but is he worth the money? Yeah, that's been the question that's been flowing through at our Instagram direct messages of course we've been putting this up and I've really enjoyed this um, a lot of people sending their teams in and wanting to get some comments or some feedback of you know how their team's set up where they could improve areas they've done well areas where they haven't done so well seems to be the main question do you start with James Tedesco from round one personally at that price I'm gonna say no because the way I look at it I can't see Teddy going up from that price maybe middle of the season but if you look at the Roosters um, you know, history in terms of starting the season in recent years. Typically speaking, they've got off to a slowish or a sluggish start. Maybe that's been the case because they have had to play deep into the final series and then travel over to England or Spain for the World Club Challenge. So that wasn't the case this year. But to answer your question, Tommy, no, I, I won't be playing with Tedesco for round one. I just think at that price, there are better options. And yes, you're running the risk with another gun like Tommy T, Ryan Pappenhausen perhaps. But the way I look at it, is you have to play the long game and Teddy will be in my team at some point throughout the season, but he just can't be. I just can't have him there for round one. Just before we move on to a Parramatta and, of course, then the Storm, Angus Crichton, you mentioned him there. I think last year there were some question marks over whether he started the year in the centres or in the back row or was he even going to survive at the club. He was talks he was on his way back to rugby union. He just caught everyone off guard last year, Angus Crichton. I think personally he was the premier second rower of the competition. Uh, you know, do you see him lifting his game to another level this year? Yeah, well, he's just one of uh, four class second rowers in Supercoach, really. Him, Tamalolo, McInnes, and Ryan Madison. You could pretty much pick any of those four and you'd be safe. 
I'm pretty sure last year in our uh, draft competition, you had Angus Crichton with great success. Yeah, I did. I was lucky enough to jag him. He was a late selection. He just sat there um, at the top of the, I guess, the suggested picks for a very, very long time. And I thought, you know what? Sure enough, this guy's going to get a run. And very lucky. I think he only scored under 50 once all of last season and averaged, uh, you know, somewhere upwards of. 70 points per game or thereabouts at least. So season predictions for the Roosters, where do you see them uh, finishing at the end of the regular season? Yeah, as I sort of prefaced before, I I kind of think they could miss the four this year. I know that's a huge prediction. They'll obviously make the top eight, but I'm thinking around fifth or sixth. I just think there are a few question marks. They've still got so much class in the form of Tedesco and Crichton and, and Kiri when he's fully fit. That'll be enough to get them in the running, but I just don't think they can go to that next level and match it with a team like the Storm. The Parramatta Eels are the next team to get stuck into ahead of the 2021 season. They've threatened to be a title uh, competitor in the last two seasons before being bundled out in week two by pretty healthy margins on both occasions. Uh, Ryan, do they have what it takes to go to the next level this year? Yeah, geez, it's a tough question, isn't it, uh, for Parramatta? I think you can kind of look at those two final series and say no just the way that they finished the year. But I think even though last year they finished in the top four, they really limped into the final series because, you know, throughout the year they had injuries to Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, both at separate times. So for long periods of their season last year, I think it was something like seven or, or nine matches last year where they actually played without their regular starting halves. So give them a little bit of credit to that. To still finish in the top four, they did well. They lose Michael Jennings now... I know he's getting older, Michael Jennings, but he was playing his best footy in the past couple of seasons. It's going to be a big hole to replace, not only from a, an attacking standpoint, but defensively as well. His chat is generally pretty good out there on that left edge. So I don't know. I, I think I don't want to say the window's shut on Parramatta because they've still got a very good team on paper. But there were periods last year where you just kind of question, like, is this just a good club team and can they compete in the finals? It turned out they couldn't. Yeah, it was a disappointing end to the season. They started off so well, of course, and then, yeah, like you said, I think injuries just took their toll on the team. And for the last probably five to six weeks, they really you could just tell they were going to get bundled out in the finals. Like ever, South were short price favourites in the week two, and they were the team that came sixth. So it was interesting. It was disappointing to see that as someone who kind of has a soft spot for Parramatta. I'm pretty excited about their halves, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. They both had injuries at stages in the back end of last season. Um, I think they're very exciting players and it could strike up a really good combination. That is probably my only uh, hope for them to go to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mitchell Moses showed at times last year, he was playing as good, if not even better footy than the standard that Nathan Cleary was dishing up. And that's no shot at Nathan Cleary. That's just praise for Mitchell Moses. Dylan Brown, I know you've got a big rap on him, Tommy. He's just... I know you say he's an exciting player, but he's also a tough player. The amount of work that he gets through as a number six defensively, without too much question and trouble, he's just playing well beyond his age, Dylan Brown. Yeah, I'm a massive rap on our Dylan Brown. Um, like you said, he's a very well-rounded player for the age he is. You obviously expect him to have that great attacking flair at a young age, but his defence and his reading of the game, it really stands out for me as above the rest of players that are his age sort of thing. Um in Supercoach, he's pretty. He's a hundred thousand dollars less than Cody Walker and fifty k less than Munster. It's pretty hard to go against Walker and Munster in five eighth position. But if you had to, if you wanted to save some money, or you end up in draft missing out on those two, Dylan Brown is probably a good alternative. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned those big guns there, and 
Walker and Munster, Brown actually has a bigger base than those guys. So he might not have the higher ceiling, but you know, on those off days that 5'8s can often have, um, probably not going to get as bad a score from Dylan Brown, perhaps as you could from a Cody Walker or a Munster. Not saying that those guys are going to play bad footy. You don't finish the season with a 70 average if you've had a bad year. Uh, who else stands out for you in this Parramatta lineup, Tommy? I know uh, Ryan Madison from a super coach perspective will be very, very popular, but also Junior Paulo is one. Clint Gutherson, another who emerged last season. Yeah, Gutherson is uh, he's an interesting one because when you think of the fullback role, you think of Tedesco firstly and then probably Ponga and Pappenhausen. But Gutherson's average is only, he's only averaged one less than Pappenhausen last year. And he's only owned by 3% of teams so far in the classic competition, while Pappenhausen is owned by 22. So he could be a good point of difference there. Gutherson, uh, Madison, as you mentioned, is just safe as a house, really. You can pick him and, and leave him there in the second row. He'll do a great job for you. And uh, Junior Paulo also, as you mentioned, is pretty reliable. Anything for you, mate, ahead of uh, 2021 for Para? I think uh, I'm hearing... Some whispers, some rumours, some suggestions out of Parramatta that uh, Sean Lane is in for a big year. I think um, sort of been that player on the edge of um, you know taking his game to that next level. But I think they're looking at a different role for Sean Lane this year. I think he'll um, move at times from that left edge into the middle third. So uh, maybe one to keep an eye on in terms of uh, his output, um, base statistics as well as scoring uh, Sean Lane this year. Uh, they've obviously lost some players. We mentioned Michael Jennings. Also, George Jennings is off to the Storm. Uh, Kane Evans is off to the Warriors. David Gow is retired. Daniel Alvaro uh, goes to the Dragons. Jamin Salmon to the Panthers. Penny Terrapo retired as well. So going through that list, probably not too much to speak of other than Andrew Davey to the Sea Eagles, who uh, you listen to uh, Supercoach players on social media, particularly the you know super coach whisperer, rugby league guru, these types, they have a massive rap on Andrew Davey at the Sea Eagles. Probably didn't see his best at Parramatta last year, but one of those players that might kick on to bigger things in 2021. Uh, worth the second thought rolling through our previews here, Oregon Kafusi, a name that we haven't mentioned yet, but at that cheaper quote, $236,000 to start the year. We mentioned Sean Lane might play a role in that middle third, but Oregon Kafusi, can he fill that gap when Paulo and RCG come off. Yeah, it's a big gap to fill. There's a two uh, premier forwards in the competition, really. But like last year, as we've written in our article here, one pl- one point per minute sort of player. He didn't play a lot of minutes, but this year he's likely to get more time. Very cheaply priced at just two hundred and thirty-six thousand. Uh, he's likely to be, I suppose, a popular option in the front row rotation for people's teams. Uh, they've just got a great four pack though, Parramatta. So much depth there, and just so many. Uh, I suppose, tough players up front. That's probably one of the reasons why I think they can run in the top four again. I'm not sure if they can go to that next level and challenge a Melbourne or a Penrith or a South Sydney, but I, I do just have them probably sneaking into the four. Something we haven't mentioned yet here and something that hasn't been mentioned a lot, uh, you know, on social media or wherever you listen, uh, get some super coach tips or NRL tips. But one massive factor for mine that wasn't considered or that hasn't yet been considered ahead of the new year, is the effect of crowds upon Parramatta's performance. And obviously last year at Bankwest Stadium, they had to do without crowds. And you saw the success that the team had at Parramatta using that crowd to their advantage. Um, They really turned Bankwest into a fortress. That wasn't the case last year. So you'd expect that the COVID situation, as long as New South Wales continues to manage that, 
The crowds can come back. Does that improve Parramatta's performance or am I looking too deeply into this? No, I don't think you are at all. Uh, they've, they made such a great home of, of uh, Bank West Stadium. I remember the first game there, that Mitchell Moses length of the field try. It was an amazing atmosphere and they were great after that at Bank West. But then last year, yeah, the wheels did fall off a little bit there. But with uh, more more crowds this year expected, and we hope there's more crowds, uh, I don't. It has to be a positive impact, I would think. Yeah, and I, I mean, call me someone who thinks a little bit outside the box here, but I think it's it's definitely going to play its role from a super coach perspective, right? Because you think more crowds, they're more likely to score more points, as they did in 2019, opposed to 2020. They, they, their players just have to somehow have a better output, right? So I'm looking at players who live up on that big stage, who who rise to the occasion, who love playing in front of that atmosphere. I'm looking at players like Blake Ferguson. He went uh, a long period without a try last year. Even Mitchell Moses was a little bit down in that back end of the season on his performances. Dylan Brown, Reed Marnie, these young charismatic players that will just thrive on that energy from that Parramatta crowd. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, tipping them for a big year, mate. Do you have? The, do you agree with me? Do you think they can make the top four? I think they can, absolutely. I think, as you've said there, it's not so much about how their roster's improved, but I just think the teams around them necessarily haven't improved enough. Uh, you know, those teams I'm talking about in the, in the fighting out for the lower places in that top eight, this team looks a little bit more solid than it has in years prior uh so yeah i mean i'm tipping them for a top four finish i think they'll be thereabouts fighting it out perhaps uh, for that final spot in the top four alongside the likes of south sydney and the roosters where will cameron smith end up in 2021 tell me we record this in the start or middle of february and we still none the wiser is he playing at the melbourne storm in 2021 or is he off to the titans or is he called it a day yeah, it's quite amazing that uh we're still talking about this so close to the start of the year. Obviously, Cameron is either taking a long time to decide what he wants to do or he just wants to leave us in suspense. I don't know. It's quite strange. But uh, I don't think he's going to be at Melbourne. Just reading between the lines, the Storm are really preparing for you without him. Harry Grant looks set to go at hooker. I don't think Craig Bellamy would let Smith, I suppose, not derail their campaign, but just distract them so much. I reckon he probably knows he's not going to play. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's long odds now for Cameron Smith to run out there in a purple jersey for round one. I've actually had this thought today that it's just a matter of days or weeks before we get this story from the Courier-Mail. Peter Bedell will break the yarn that Cameron Smith has been training the house down. He's been in the back shed in the, you know, somewhere in, on the Gold Coast or he's been just training away quietly, doing his own thing, and he's just going to sign later on in the year at the Titans and he's going to be ready to go and take their team to another level. I'd love to see it personally. I think he's still got plenty to offer in our game um, and it's going to be a shame. Yes, I know that you want to see the good players go out on a high and there's no bigger high than winning an NRL premiership, but he's just playing such good footy and that's why I was so critical of the Tigers for letting Benji Marshall go because he was... Not at the peak of his powers, but he was still the best player on the West Tigers by some margin. So to let him go, if the Storm... I know they're not letting Cameron Smith go, but if Cameron lets the game go, I think it's going to be a poor result for rugby league fans. Yeah, it's just it's just incredible, his uh, durability and longevity in this game. He's, what, 37, oldest player in the league, and he was still one of the best players last season. Like There is no real need for him to retire just from the outside looking in. Maybe he feels differently inside, but... I think I concur with what you're saying. I think he may end up at the Gold Coast just from reading, I suppose, articles. And it just seems like there's lots of smoke there, where there's smoke, there's fire. I hope he goes to the Gold Coast. What an exciting sort of young team to join. And he'd have an amazing influence on that squad. Absolutely. And just as much as the question's been on everyone's lips, is Cameron Smith finished or will he play on? I guess the second one from a Melbourne perspective is, 
is how does Harry Grant and how does Brandon Smith coexist in this team when they're both capable of playing 80 minutes at number nine? Brandon's come out and said he wants to play 80 minutes at number nine. Is this going to cause a bit of a stir? And is this maybe the biggest thing stopping the Storm from going back to back? Yeah, I'm not a rugby league coach. I don't claim to be an expert of the game, but... You just have to have Harry Grant at nine, don't you? I, I think of what we saw last year, he has to get first crack. And unless he plays awfully, I don't think Brandon's going to get a crack there. What Do you, do you agree with me? Yeah, it's funny. I, I keep a key and eye on this. And personally, I'd have Harry at nine. I think that he, what he proved at the West Tigers, I mean, he led the Daly M count for such a long uh, you know, period last season. So you're obviously playing good footy if you're doing that. But in the last couple of days, I've just noticed Brandon Smith a little bit more active on his Instagram again. Call me silly for thinking outside of the box, but the photos he's putting up, they're done with such a purpose. There's a photo of him uh, passing a ball out of dummy half. So he's obviously saying, look, I'm a dummy half. I'm not a roaming 13. I'm not a ball player in the middle third. And the second photo he puts up is arm in arm with Harry himself. So what do you make of that? I just think it's just so, it's not a coincidence for mine. I think Brandon's sending a message to someone. Who that is, I don't know. I love... Both of them. I love both of them in this team. I think they, they, if they can find a way, it'll be so beneficial to the Storm. However they do that, I'm not too sure. So personally, yes, I'd have Harry at nine. He proved himself for the Maroons this year, and um, I think he can take this Storm team to another level. And that's no shot at Cameron Smith, the greatest player of all time. But I think with these new rule changes, Harry Grant is just such an explosive player out of that middle third. Yeah, well, let's just assume for uh, argument's sake for a second that Harry Grant is uh, the full-time number nine for Melbourne Storm this year. Do you go with him in Supercoach? He's the second, uh, sorry, third most expensive hooker in the game. He averaged 71.5 last year. Maybe this second-year syndrome, does he go as well this year? Uh, one maybe question mark I had was the fact that he comes to a team with a lot of strong attacking players in Munster and Pappenhausen, among others. Uh, West Tigers, he was a shining light. So could that impact his scores negatively? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the risk you run with, you know, putting your dollars on someone who has only played one year, uh, one year full-time at another team. I know he was contracted by the Storm, but obviously a different style of play at the West Tigers as to what they say uh, or what we will see from the Melbourne Storm this year. It's a very good question, though, because... You know, as it is, and we're going to do a team reveal podcast uh, on the weekend, and we'll go through our selections a month out from season kickoff. I will give a little sneak preview here. I do have Harry Grant currently at number nine, um, but what you've said there, Tommy, that just makes me think twice about that because I picked him on the proviso that he is playing one eighty minutes, and two that his game would be a similar style to what we saw at the West Tigers, and. I just don't have the assurances that that is going to be the case. He's probably going to, you know, have that super call, that 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 dominant call from Munster to to go left as opposed to maybe taking the line on himself or creating something on the right. So, uh, yeah, good question. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I could be off the mark there, but that was something that came into my head when I was choosing a hooker for this season. It could he could be impacted positively by the Storm's presence because he'll win more games for Melbourne than he did for West Tigers. He'll probably be involved in more attacking our plays. So it could work either way. Uh, among the rest of the squad, where else are we looking? Uh, in our article on supercoach365.com.au, we talked about both front rowers, Bromwich and Sofa Solomona, possibly getting more game time this year. Yeah, obviously Tino Fa'asul Malawi uh, makes his way up to the Gold Coast Titans. And I guess you just have to consider with the Melbourne Storm, 
the price of success, and that is quite literal in a super coach perspective. Uh, Jesse Bromwich at $395,000. I think we had him down as the cheapest buy of their regular starters, and that, of course, is excluding Remus Smith, who comes to the club. But of the 2020 regular starters, Jesse Bromwich at $395,000 is the cheapest player of their whole, uh, you know, uh, 17. So that just says a lot about what Melbourne does as a as a full lineup. Also, uh, Cameron Munster. I mean, he's probably the standout, the shining light in this team. We've already mentioned him there about he, how his presence impacts Harry Grant, perhaps. But just one of two five eights to average seventy points per game or more last season. Is Munster your first pick at, at number six? I debated this one. It was, it was obviously a two-horse race, the 5-8 throw. You're either going to go with Walker or Munster, I think. Uh, I went with Walker only because I, I just have a real strong feel for South this year. I'm pretty keen on them. So I just want to get on that red and green train, so I picked Walker. Uh, but, look, Munster will do a great job for you. He's probably less likely to get a low score than Walker, but then Walker's maybe more likely to get 100, 150. Uh, what did you do here? Yeah, I stuck with Munster. I mean, I have that little bit of bias. I just love the way he plays the game. Uh, question marks over whether he will assume the goal kicking uh, in Smith's absence or will that be Ryan Pappenhausen? Uh, that's a bit of a wait and see. I don't think we'll hear too much out of the storm before round one. But I just think, you know, if you drill down on the statistics of last season, I think Munster might just have a little bit more upside in his game than what Walker had. Uh, I know you argue a good point there about how Walker finished the season, how South Sydney finished the season last year, but you look at uh, in terms of tries created or tries assisted, Cameron Munster last year tipped in just 11. Uh, I mean, predominantly the Storm's attack focused around Cameron Smith. If he's not there, uh, you know, he created 17 tries last season. Uh, Munster actually had less than both Hughes and Pappenhausen last year, so... For me, I think Munster has to be the key playmaker. And if he's creating more tries, his scoring can only go up. Yeah, that is a good point. Like This could be, like Munster's already a superstar of the game, but this could be the year that he goes to that absolute next level without Smith there. He's going to have to take more ownership of the side. And that would obviously translate into higher super coach scores. I don't think you can go wrong with either Walker or Munster, though. You're going to have a good season with either of them in your uh, sixth jersey. As a season prediction for the Storm, I know you're a pretty big fan of the side. Uh, what do you see happening this year? I think they go very, very close to going back-to-back. Back. I think, as I said there when we were speaking about Harry Grant, not a shot on Cameron Smith, but I think that the way that the game is changing and the onus to be so fast and so quick and to make best use of that six-again ruling, I think Harry Grant just brings some fresh legs. He just brings a different sort of personality, a different style to this team as to what we saw with Cameron Smith. I think they can go to another gear. Uh, it's something I know at the back end of last year when uh, I remember it was a, a key quote Phil Gould said. He said, the Storm don't have another gear. And I know that they use that as motivation to beat the Panthers in the grand final. Uh, personally, yeah, I think that there's no reason why the Storm can't go back to back this year. Yeah, they're a hard team to tip against. Obviously, there is one big question mark, and that is Smith. And if he's not there for the first time since 2002, does it impact them? It could uh, impact them negatively. It could. It's an unknown thing. So that's the only, I guess, risk factor you have there. But if they finish in the top four and they win week one, then they have a home final in week three to make the grand final. So they're just they're so close to making a grand final every time they finish top four. They're a hard team to tip against. The Penrith Panthers are our final team to preview ahead of the 2021 season. They had an amazing year last year, just falling short, losing to the Storm in the grand final. 
How do they recover from this heartbreak, Ryan? Yeah, do they use it as motivation or do they uh, let it get to them? I think they use it as motivation. But it's going to be harder for the Panthers this year than I think it was last year because now, you know, they are the hunted. Every team's going to go to the uh, Panthers stadium and, and aim up as if they do have to be playing their grand final footy against the Panthers to come away with two points. So uh, interesting. Can the Panthers go one better? Absolutely they can this year, but... I think uh, there's a little bit of their natural regression that we're about to see from the Panthers. They're going to come back to the pack a little bit. Yeah, it would be hard to go as well as they did last year in the regular season. They were just untouchable at times. Disappointing, obviously, to lose in the grand final, but they obviously say you have to win one, uh, lose one to win one, rather. Uh, but like you said, I think it's almost too obvious that they're going to win this year. Like Everyone's expecting them just to go one more, but I don't know. Maybe the pressure will be too much for them. It'll be an interesting watch. Um, Supercoach, the first person we have to speak about is Nathan Cleary. How do you go past him? An absolute freak of, of the Supercoach game. Uh, you have to pick him, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I, I answered a question. Uh, we put out the questions on our Instagram story the other day to um, you know give us your questions ahead of the new season. And someone said, uh, Cleary or DCE? And I just said, if you are not picking Nathan Cleary for round one, you are not playing this game the way it should be played. And I'm accounting for a little bit of a price drop with Nathan Cleary because that's generally what you see with these these bigger names at the bigger prices. The game builds their price so that they do kind of come back to the pack a little bit. And while they lose money, other players make money. Um, so Cleary at that price, yes, I'm not expecting him to stay at that price the whole season. I'm actually you know, accounting for a little bit of regression in that price. But at that average, I mean... I think he's 10 or 15 points better than the next best. So there's just the depth in that number seven role is just so, so thin. He's going to be number two draft pick, if not number one in some comps ahead of Tedesco. Um, Nathan Cleary in a classic competition, you just have to have him for round one for mine. Yeah, he's impossible to go past. I'm often someone who tries to leave out sort of uh, the favorite when I'm doing super coach. I try to go against the most popular option, but I just, I can't. He's 14 points average last, sorry, last year's average was 14 better than Sean Johnson, the next best. Sean Johnson's not even going to play at the start of the year and he was nearly 20 better than DCE. So it's just numbers that you can't say no to. And he's owned already by 47% of our classic teams. So everyone is sort of in agreement that he is just the way to go in 2020. Yeah. And that's another thing I think you have to consider one thing that I've been telling people who have been getting in touch with us, you know, via Facebook Messenger or Instagram DM is just, you know, we're happy to pass on our tips. We're not experts. We don't claim to, you know, be destined for a top 100 finish. We're here to help, you know, after a couple of years of playing the game. You have to have Cleary because if you're not picking Cleary for round one and he goes gangbusters against the Cowboys at Penrith, if you don't have that in your team for round one and you go with uh, a DCE or an Ash Taylor or Jamal Fogarty, I just think that you're setting yourself up to be behind the eight ball from round one. So Nathan Cleary is a must for mine. And another player who maybe doesn't have a bigger name as Nathan Cleary, but I think you just got to have him in your team, is Charlie Staines, the centre wing fullback option, $297,000. He'll be a very, very popular pick at that centre wing slot. Yeah, absolutely. He's try-scoring prowess. I'm sure everyone remembers uh, his debut last year in four tries. He's got big shoes to fill, I will say, though. Josh Mansell was a great club player for the Panthers. He did a lot of work early in their sets, getting them out of trouble. I don't know Charlie Staines' game that well. Is he good at, I suppose, doing the hard yards for his team? Coming through the junior rep system, he was more of a fullback. So, uh, I mean, bringing the ball back from a kick return... 
yes, he was good, but at times he'd turn other players under in, in his wingers to avoid the big hits. He is a very creative player. I do know that, having watched a little bit of Charlie Staines. He won't get that opportunity to create plays on the wing, but maybe at times, uh, I think we even saw it at times last year when uh, Stephen Crichton would drop back to fullback in place of Dylan Edwards, who would shift out to a wing. So maybe that's not out of the question for Penrith. Maybe they do bring Staines into the middle of the mix and let him roam free. We mentioned he's going to be a popular pick, 53%. He's actually the most popular uh, center wing option, uh, you know, as we record this uh, in February. So that just speaks volumes for where Supercoach players' heads are at ahead of the new year. Yeah, it's just, that's incredible statistics there. It's an incredible backline Penrith have, really. It's an embarrassment of riches. Brent Naden is potentially not going to start the year at centre and in comes Tyrone May and then you've got Stephen Crichton in the other centre. So it's just so much talent there. It's hard to see them not being contenders again. Uh, we gave a big rap to Moses Leota in our article ahead of uh, Penrith's season, uh, looking to step into the role vacated by James Tamo up front. Only owned currently by 3% of Supercoach uh, teams, Ryan, what do you think he? Well, I'm actually um, a little bit shocked by that figure. Just 3%. Look, again, I don't want to give away all of our secrets ahead of the Team Reveal podcast coming this weekend, but I will say that I am so grateful to be in that 3%. I've actually got him as one of my starting front row forward options. Um, I just think at that price, he just has so much upside and where I've maybe stacked other positions, I have to go a little bit cheaper in the front row. I mean, he was on the cusp of origin selection last year and when Brad Fittler's asking around for your phone number, you must be doing something right. I will say this, I, you know, I drew it a little bit deeper for the sake of these podcasts and the previews available at supercoach365.com.au. Uh, now, I will preface this by saying it's only the time that he wore jerseys 8, 10 or 13. So he might have worn those jerseys but come off the bench or worn 15 or 14 and, and started. But the last times, last five times he's worn 8, 10 or 13, he's returned these scores. 49, 54, 78, 54 and 46 at an average of 56.2. And that equated to 1.42 points per minute. That is just unheard of. Yeah, it's exciting numbers and... Obviously, doing research ahead of this, uh, talking about Penrith and reading the article that you wrote and the statistics you brought to us about Leota, I was expecting to see 20%, 30% ownership, 3%. Maybe I should have mentioned anything on the podcast. We should have kept it to ourselves. But it does look an absolute steal at the moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, for as long as Penrith are winning games, you know, these players are more likely to have their scores uh, slightly inflated because they are going to be scoring more points. They just are a good team. Um, they will score more tries than their opposition. And I know that sounds really silly, but you know that equates to more super coach points, you know, more, more offloads in their game, more tackle busts, things like this you just have to consider. So for Penrith, I think that they're on the up. I think Moses Leota is on the up. One player, though, who I think might be you know, set for a little bit of a slide, and this might be going against the popular opinion, is Stephen Crichton. Now, before you shoot me down, Tommy, I would just want to say this, right? So many times last year we heard the comparison, you know, our first uh, season in the NRL, try-scoring records, Israel Folau comparisons. Again, I kind of had a look at this because I was interested to see, well, how did he compare to Izzy? And I guess the most interesting thing I found out amongst all of it was how much Folau regressed in his second year of first grade. What that tells me is opposition teams are more prepared, they're more ready. Who knew what Stephen Crichton could do in 2019? 
We know what he can do having seen 2020. 2021 is going to be a completely different story for Stephen Crichton for mine. No, you're not wrong. Every other team is going to know what to expect from him now. But it's one thing knowing it. It's another thing to stop it. However, I do agree with you. If you look at his base stats in uh, 2020, only averaged 24 points per game in the base stat categories. And that's, that's not really that impressive. He relies a lot on his attacking stats. And obviously, as you mentioned, Penrith, they're going to be a force in the competition. They're going to score a lot of points. But he is so reliant on that. So is he really worth the money? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think at that sort of mid to getting up to that high range sort of price, $484,000, uh, I won't be playing him for round one. And I may very well be eating these words come round 24 or 25, however many we're playing this year. I'm not doubting his talent. I think he's, you know, he's going to be an origin center. Could be an origin center as early as this year. Uh, I just, for mine, I don't know. I just can't have him from round one. I think last year he grew his price by, I think it was 147000 by season's end. He starts this year 200000 more expensive than he did uh, to start 2020. So straight away that tells me that he's $53,000 overpriced to start the new year. Yeah, you do make a good case to, I suppose, avoid him in the early stages, but Super coach aside, I'm pretty excited to watch him play this year. He's just such an exciting, young, tall, rangy player. He's one of the many reasons why I do think Penrith will definitely be in the top four again. There's no real reason why they can't win the comp. It's just if they have, I guess, the mental energy and strength to go again after being so close last year. Yeah, I mean, as we said at the top there, it's it's one thing to make it that far. It's another thing to win it. And credit to Melbourne for what they did last year because they're just so consistent. The Panthers, they want to be that sort of team. Uh, 2021 is their chance to do it. We'll get our first look at Penrith and a couple of the Penrith players in the trials coming up over the course of the next month. All of that will be broadcast across KO or NRL.com. I know that we'll be watching on with keen eyes, Tommy. Yeah, mate, can't wait just to see some live footy on the TV and I can't wait to uh, get stuck into some more Supercoach chat with you next time. Between then, though, uh, of course, you can... Uh, send us your teams or join our league codes. We've uh, actually filled up two leagues, but we're opening up a new one. We've also got our unlimited league as well. So uh, head across to our Instagram story and our highlights and check out that. Uh, get involved with us. As we say, send us your team, send us your message, send us your questions. Uh, and if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, give us a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars if you can. Get us up there. Get us known. Tell your friends about it. Tell your mum about it. This is Supercoach365. We'll be back this weekend with our first team reveals a month out or thereabouts from round one. Plenty of people have been keen with the teams we picked. We're happy to share them. We'll talk through what we've done well, where we can improve. But until then, as we say, get in touch with us where you can, if you want to. It's up to you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.